0: Alright, let's uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for once again allowing us to come together to worship you, to study your word, to to learn about who you are and the things that you do. Uh, God, we thank you that you are the sovereign ruler of all that goes on. And Lord, just as we just continue to see just uh, many things that are very uh, concerning in the world, God, we're just we depend on that you are orchestrating it all for your glory and God I just pray that you would help us to understand that more fully to rely on that and God as we just consider the work of the Holy Spirit uh, God that we would rightly understand that you would just enlighten our minds to have a, a true knowledge of of your work in us and that we would be able to order our lives in a way that is in accordance with that. Uh, that you would be glorified through your church. In Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, as we continue our study through um, considering the, the, the Holy Spirit, um, we've uh, in past lessons we've talked about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity talked about the Holy Spirit's work uh, during the Old Testament period of time, uh, during the life of Jesus, um, and we also have talked about in the conversion of sinners, uh, just the inability of man and the necessity of the Holy Spirit to come and and rescue us from that that state of inability and darkness. This morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as a teacher. Uh, the Bible has quite a bit to say about that. Um, shortly before Jesus was arrested, um, he spoke to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, and one of the things that he told them was the Holy Spirit would teach them. Just to grab a, a few highlights from that section in the Gospel of John. Uh, 14.26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in fifteen twenty six, he says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then in John 16, verses 13 and 14, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So as we consider these things, Jesus um, identifies the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. Um, That's, you know, an idea of like, that. there's knowledge content there, there's There's truth being communicated um, and he's guiding people into the truth. Um, He is sent by the Father to teach. Uh, He bears witness about Christ and glorifies Christ. Uh, He speaks from God and declares things that are to come. Um, And he brings the words of Jesus to remembrance. So he's doing all of these teaching actions. Now. In, in this particular section, I think these things apply specifically to the disciples um, who then recorded in Scripture the things that they were taught. Uh, but we see that the Holy Spirit acts as a teacher. So it's just the disciples, they had, they had lived this life with Jesus. And I mean, one thing in particular is like when they would later be writing about what Jesus taught them, you know, the Holy Spirit would make sure that they had those things brought to mind. Um, The Holy Spirit, do you think the Holy Spirit acts in a similar way uh, with respect to just all believers? Any thoughts on that? Does the Holy Spirit teach us? I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's sometimes hard to you know, to to pinpoint exact things, but oftentimes, I know I've had the experience of, in a certain circumstance, just a passage of Scripture coming to mind um, that, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, why did that suddenly come to mind? It just is really applicable here. And um, I think, you know, that's that's probably, you know, a work of the Holy Spirit reminding me of the things that I have been taught from Scripture. Um, I think we want to be careful about going too far and uh, having the Holy Spirit giving us fresh revelation. Um, but uh, but I think that the Holy Spirit is active in the things that we have learned from scripture, but might be kind of buried in the recesses of our memory. The Holy Spirit is active in us to, to bring those things to mind. Um, the Bible is pretty explicit about the, uh, the Holy Spirit teaching us believers in general 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 2, uh, we've, we've kind of referenced various verses in this section in uh, previous lessons, but um, I want to begin in verse 6 and, and read a fair chunk of this here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Paul says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. (coughs) None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths uh, to those who are spiritual. So when we consider this passage here, um, the rulers who put Christ to death, they didn't understand. But we do understand, right? As Christians, I mean, he's, he's addressing the Christians that are in Corinth. I mean, it applies to all Christians in all ages. We do understand these things. We understand these spiritual truths. We understand um, the things that, um, that relate to salvation. Uh, we have been taught by the Spirit so that we understand the things freely given to us by God. Um, you know, it... Right after that, in the passage, it talks about those who are unable to understand these things uh, because they are, um, they're, you know, they're because they're basically because they're not Christians. They don't have the Spirit in them, uh, and these things are basically just foolishness to them. Um, when we consider this, I mean, it, this is this is something that we have, and it's something that uh, Paul explicitly prays for. Um, in, uh, in his letter to the Ephesians. Um, he is very explicit uh, in that passage, Ephesians chapter one, uh, beginning in verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might. And we'll stop there. But um, again, you see like similar language to what you see in 1 Corinthians uh, of speaking of the things that God has given to us, the, the, the great benefits of salvation, Um, So Paul is praying that the Ephesians uh, would be enlightened to understand the truths of their salvation. So how does that happen? How is it that they are enlightened? I mean, just according to Paul's prayer, what's involved there?
1: Have the eyes of your hearts enlightened?
0: Okay. Is there a is there a source to that? It
2: says that uh, the Father may give you the Spirit
3: of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him.
0: Yeah. So it was a spiritual thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's presumably I mean, it's like the ESV at least puts a capital S there, so uh, assuming they're interpreting that correctly, it's you know, it's that's the Holy Spirit. Um, but I mean, I think we can infer that anyway. Um, but it's, it's something that, like, it doesn't just happen naturally. Uh, naturally, when we look at the things of God, they're going to be foolishness to us. But the Spirit um, is, uh, works in us to cause us to understand these things. He teaches us. Now, when we consider these things, does this normally happen? How, how, how does this normally happen for the Christian? Does this normally happen just when you're, you know, just going about your day? Um, or is there a means that God uses uh, when he's working by the Spirit in your life?
1: Yes. Maybe maybe not the best way to phrase the question. No, I'd right? say he does that through his word.
0: Right, yeah. That's, that's the answer I was looking for, so... May not have been the best phrased question, okay. but that is the answer I was looking for. So yeah, it's it's uh, ordinarily speaking, it's it comes through the Word of God. That's where the truths um, are contained. Um, I'm going to consider Second uh, Timothy chapter three uh, again. Just a a very um, well known passage. I'm going to. Back up to a part that doesn't get quoted quite as often. Still often, but not quite as often. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. There Paul says, But as for you, speaking to Timothy, Mm -hmm. continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there we see um, Paul exhorting Timothy um, to to, to hold fast to the things that he's learned, to to hold fast to the truths of salvation. um, And um, and he points to the sacred writings, right? the the scriptures, the the Bible. That's that's where those things are found. It's able to make you wise for salvation. Um, that's the that's where the message is contained. But again, the Holy Spirit is necessary to teach us these things. Um, and even as we continue the passage, you know, it's like all scripture is breathed out by God. And we've already talked about the fact that. That's that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what is um, causing the the Bible to be the word of God, to be the very message of God, of salvation. Um, But those words are able um, to make uh, salvation understandable to to human beings. Um, so when we when we look at it, you know, we've got the Bible involved and we've got the Holy Spirit involved in some way. Now, it's not always clear um, how the 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 truths in Scripture and the active work of the Holy Spirit as we read Scripture are related to each other. Um, when we read the Bible, we have to interpret it. Um, we have to to. Uh, come to a correct understanding of what the scripture teaches. Um, And if we're to interpret the Bible correctly, uh, we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, And this is a a vital truth, but it's often misunderstood and distorted. Um, And so in in order to understand the the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting the Bible, I think it's going to be helpful to kind of look at uh, what's sometimes presented as the way this works. I know that in my discussions with people, I've certainly run into this uh, from time to time. Um, one way of, of expressing it is, is kind of the idea that yes, we should study the Bible, uh, but we don't need uh, to, you know, to learn how to study the Bible. We don't need to uh, follow certain principles Uh, We don't need rules of interpretation. We don't need to consider things like, you know, genre and, you know, things like that. We don't need to consider grammar. Really what we should do is we should just read the Bible and just whatever impression we get, well, that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Um, And so sometimes, I don't know if any of you have ever encountered that before, but I have certainly encountered that where... Uh, you know, if, if I attempt to, you know, try to analyze a text when I'm discussing something with somebody, they're like, oh, you know, you know, you, you, you just need to rely on the Holy Spirit, not all that man-made wisdom of how to interpret a text. Um, and I don't think that 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 works. Um, and so hopefully we can we can tease that out a little bit. Um, but it's the idea that the the, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. Um, of the Bible directly, without the use of rules and principles of interpretation, um, and basically the systematic approach of the Bible leaves no room for the work of the Spirit, uh, and that it's it's just that's just the wisdom of men. Um, I mean, you consider First Corinthians chapter one verse twenty: "Is this uh, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world?" And so that's just that's just the wisdom of the world when you're. Applying all that interpretive stuff, um, so we should shun the wisdom of the, world, of the world, with its careful analysis of words and grammar, context and genre. Uh, the spirit will lead us to a correct understanding, uh, without all these mechanistic rules of interpretation. Um, we consider, I mean, uh, passages that are brought forth from that perspective, uh, Luke chapter twenty-one. Uh, beginning in verse 12 uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says uh, before all this they will lay hands on you and persecute you delivering you up uh, to the synagogue to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake this will be your opportunity to bear witness settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict, and so there we look at you know Jesus is is telling them it's like don't don't worry about you know preparing what you're gonna say, just you know let the let the Holy Spirit do it. I'm gonna give you the wisdom to do this. Um, now, if we take this as an, a you know as a, a method for how we interpret the Bible or how we prepare for. Um, for teaching a lesson, you know, maybe, you know, Pastor Rick decides that this is the way he's going to approach it when he's preaching sermons. Uh, he's just not going to prepare. He's just going to stand up here and just wait for the Holy Spirit to, to give the message. I mean, I think we're going to run into a problem there. Um, and I think, that, I think that, uh, that Jesus is speaking in a very specific context. And we, we're, we're going to be misinterpreting the Bible if we take this and try to apply it to the way that you interpret the Bible. Um, so, um, I mean, that you know, again, what this amounts to is I should just open my Bible, read a passage, and trust that whatever my first impression is must be the Spirit-provided interpretation. And I've had, you know, people say virtually that very thing, you know, basically. It's like, oh, well, you know, God wants me to understand the Bible, and therefore, this is the way I should do it. It's just, I read it, whatever my first impression is, I'm going to trust that's the Spirit-given interpretation.
1: Um, hey, Chris. Yes. I, you know, the thing I think we have to realize is, you know, e- even that is oftentimes stated as just truth. Mm-hmm. And people will just accept it. But where in Scripture does that come from? I mean, even the passages you sort of already have referred to, mm-hmm. don't say that. Right. So where does that come from? And and that's the problem that there's just sort of a premise that's accepted mm-hmm. that's false. Mm-hmm. That's that's not biblical. Right. And so, you know, I mean I think in one sense that I don't want to say that's a place to start, but I do think we have to recognize that and we have to say, Well where where do you get that in scripture? Right.
0: Yeah, no, that that is a that is a, a very good point because you you really I mean they would attempt to appeal to passages like the one I read from Luke. You know, it's like, oh well, you know, this is this is my justification for approaching it this way. Um, but again, it that's taking it out of context, um, I mean, then again, they, you know, they're not necessarily <clears throat> concerned about context. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's something that really isn't defensible. Um, and I think you know, in terms of motivation, I mean, I think there's um, you know, there's a few things at play. I mean, one thing is like. Doing Bible study is hard work. Um, it's a lot easier just to say, it was like, well, I'm just going to read it, and whatever my first impression is, that's that's good enough for me. I don't, I don't need to do all this all this hard work." Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think we, you're, you're right. We do need to challenge people that um, they need to justify it.
3: And I think another motivation probably too is that there are so many different denominations, so many different voices out there saying this is the interpret- correct interpretation of scripture. That it's much easier just to tune it all out and say, kind of like you're saying, it's easier mm-hmm. than that study. But also, it's easier than listening to all these competing voices and just like, oh, I'm just mm-hmm. doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you take it too far, it can even come to a point where it's like, well, you know, the Holy Spirit's teaching me this way, and that denomination over there, the Holy Spirit's teaching them that way, and. You know, it's, just, it's all fine. You know, it's just like the Holy Spirit's just teaching. You know, different contradictory things to different groups. Um,
2: I think uh, that that is a reality. Though we watched a really interesting documentary on the Amish once, and the Amish actually have a setup process. So, if, if you don't know this, um, the Amish they have it's very legalistic religion, right? And but they're not the same. They're, they have different legalistic rules across all of them because the Spirit represents themselves differently to each congregation. But the way they do their worship is, one, they don't have trained pastors, they don't have a trained way to come up into their faith. They elect someone as a spiritual leader, and that person's a spiritual leader unless they're kicked out of the church. But that person who's gonna preach that Sunday is from a small pool of of men that lead that church, that local congregation. They come together Sunday, and they pray together before the, the service, and they elect someone to do the sermon, and that person does an hour and a half based on whatever they come up with in 15 minutes. Hour and a half, like it's a it's a regulated. You have to preach for an hour and a half in Old German, and they have to come up with what it is without preparing beforehand, and they just use what the Spirit gives them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not an intent to 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 really. They they really believe the Spirit's going to lead them in that, but that's. They're okay with it being different because they believe the legalism and the spirit is going to guide them to what the right rules are, mm-hmm. and it could be different, and they're okay with that, right? Because yeah. they don't believe there's a solid truth. There, right. right, it's relative truth from one to the next.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, and that type of thing it sounds very pious, right? And it's like, oh well, we're not we're not depending on our own wisdom, we're just we're just depending on the spirit, um, you know. And it sounds very pious, and you know, things that sound pious can can persuade people. Um, you know, and when you consider like, you know, if you've ever like looked at like how to study the Bible and you know, ever like read a book on that or, or something um, it can get really complicated and it's like, it's just all these um, you know, all these principles and rules you're supposed to attempt to apply and it's like, you know and like almost none of them are absolute where it's like, yeah this kind of applies here but in this circumstance it doesn't because of this and you know, and you gotta work through all this and and, you know, to a lot of people, not only can it be, like, very hard, but it can just, it can just sound so unspiritual. It can just, like, well, you're just, you're just, you know, reducing the Bible to this text that we have to analyze and, and try to, you know, mechanistically get things out of. And, you know, and that can be very off-putting for people. Um, and it just sounds so much more pious and spiritual if we just, eh, we just go with whatever. Um, you know, the first impression is. So definitely, I mean, there's, there's reasons why that approach um, is, is favorable. Um, I mean, you can even have more sinister reasons why that type of approach is favorable. And sometimes people, um, they just want to believe what they want to believe or they want to teach whatever false doctrine they want to teach. And um, if you, you know, if you have consistent rules for interpreting the Bible, then it becomes much harder for them to defend their position where if they can just say, well that's what the Spirit tells me the Bible says then it's like, how are you going to argue against that?
1: So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you, know, you can pull out a couple of verses and try mm-hmm. to make it say whatever, but then as you look at uh, Scripture overall, whether it's Psalm 119 or others that talk about the Word of God and studying and knowing that Word, whether it's Looking at Jewish culture and the place of education and mm-hmm. studying the scriptures and you know Paul as you know his studies mm-hmm. uh, even as a Jew you mm-hmm. know it, it just would totally contradict mm-hmm. that kind of thinking. So right. there's a w- much weightier evidence on the other side of mm-hmm. things, but it definitely is way harder. I mean that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done is, is study the Word of God. That's, right. It, it's, it's, yeah.
0: It it takes it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And we're gonna. We're going to look at a few passages that, that definitely challenge uh, this notion um, about how you approach scripture.
2: Um,
0: let's see here. So, uh, one passage um, that that's, that's kind of interesting in relation to this is uh, is something that that John says in First John. Um, So in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to look at 20 and 21 first, and then we're going to jump up to 26 and 27. These are related here. Uh, Beginning in verse 20, uh, John says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. And I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. And then beginning in verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you uh, that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. So there, John, again, we, you know, we're bringing the Holy Spirit into this, the Holy Spirit is, um, you know, we all, as Christians, have an anointing. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Um, and John is <clears throat> saying, well, you don't, you, don't, you don't have need of teachers because the Holy Spirit is there. Now, you might stop and ask the question, it's like, well, then, why are they reading this letter from John? I mean, isn't, isn't he teaching them? Uh, I mean, they shouldn't need that, Right. If, if we take it as simply as like, well, I just, I've got it all down. I, you know, I don't, I don't need any teaching. Um, so we know it can't mean that, right? Because then, I mean, even John wouldn't be saying these things. Um, and when you consider, and we're going to, we're still going to talk about First John 2, but I just want to just briefly mention Ephesians uh, 4, 11 and 12. Uh, Paul says, any gave apostles... And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so there, Paul is saying that God gives, among other things, teachers for the building up of the body of Christ. So clearly we can't say that what John is saying is like, we just don't need teachers at all. We just read the Bible and whatever whatever it seems to say to us, uh, that's good. So what do you think... What do you think John is talking about here when he says that you you have this anointing and you don't need anybody to teach you? Has anybody ever considered that?
2: Well, I would go back to verse 26. Mm-hmm. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. It, mm-hmm. It's talking about using discernment. It's it's the spirit guiding you in discernment right? as to what is being taught. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um I mean, when you consider it, it's like you, you've got these false teachers. They're coming and they're teaching things that are false. Um, what if they do something that is something that actually people do today? They come and say, well, look, the Holy Spirit told me this. You, you really can't question this because the Holy Spirit told me this. How would how would John's message here apply to their response to that? Any thought? Can anybody it's like, I alone am getting messages from the Holy Spirit? That I alone have the Spirit, so you just have to listen to what I say? No, because we all have the Spirit, right? We all have the Spirit that is guiding us in our understanding, that is teaching us. Um, and so, for somebody to come along and basically say, well, I've got this special message from the Spirit. Um, it's like, it's like, well, I've got the Spirit, too, and that doesn't match up with what God has already said. Um, that's, you know, that is basically the way we should be approaching it. Uh, these false teachers can't just come and override things and say, well, I have the authority of the Spirit to do that. Because we all have the anointing. We all have the Spirit and should be able to to discern error um, as long as we're diligent to study Scripture um, and then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to understand Scripture, and we're going to be able to refute the the false teaching that comes our way. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. um, so? Um, God has provided teachers, um, and you know, we've talked about like different approaches that teachers might take. Is there any? Command as far as how teachers are to prepare. Can anybody think of anything? What about Second Timothy two fifteen? There, uh, Paul is speaking to Timothy as a teacher, um, and he says, Second uh, Timothy two fifteen: Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth now we could find all sorts of um, things in this passage Um, and the first thing does it sound like Timothy should just relax and let the spirit provide the interpretation no no He's, he's to be a worker right um, he's to do his best or be diligent. Um, is there a possibility of not handling the word rightly? Yeah, I mean that's from Paul's perspective. That's a real possibility, right? You might not handle um, the word of the word of truth rightly. And what should be your um, what should be your response if you find that you're not handling it rightly? It should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. That's exactly right. That's, I know I've, I've harped on this in previous lessons. Um, I'm not I'm not in this series, but in previous lessons, I know I've, I've harped on it because it's it's a I think it's a huge problem in the church is that people don't understand that. Um, I have just encountered so many Christians who. Um, I've spoken to them after I heard them teach something that was an error and have talked to them afterwards and shown them the error, and they came to the conclusion that I was right, that what they had taught was an error. And then they just, just dismissed it as like, yeah, it's no big deal, though. It's like, eh, eh, oops, you know, whatever. Um, and sometimes even, like, heard them repeat the error later. Um, and so it's... I mean, I, my experience is like when I found out when I find out that something that I taught was wrong, I feel terrible, and I want to tell people it's like I said that before, I was wrong. Okay, this is this is the right way, um, and so I mean I, I think again that's kind of an aside, but um, that's the way we should view uh, the word of truth uh, that we need to handle it rightly, and it's work, it's hard work. Now, it's not excluding. The Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit still very much involved. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we're just gonna we're gonna mess it up. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but um, but we still have to do the work. We still have to do the you know all the hard work of working through it, trying to interpret it properly. Um, this notion is further supported in the Book of Hebrews, um, looking at chapter five. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Uh, There he says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. Excuse me, You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil." So how is the person who lives on milk described? Unskilled in the word of righteousness, right? So they're they're lacking skill. Uh, Doesn't that imply that you can become skilled? Um, And then how are the mature described?
1: Having the powers of discernment.
0: Yeah. Their powers of discernment are trained with constant practice. I mean, it's just, it's, again, it's work. It's any notion that you can just just like approach the Bible, just open it up. It's like, yeah, that's what it says. Okay, yep, yeah, that's my interpretation. I'm not gonna work on it. It just doesn't fit these passages.
1: Um, it's interesting it's, to distinguish good from evil. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that sense of right and wrong, and truth and error, mm-hmm. and stuff that we've sort of forgotten today. Yeah, you know, we want to talk more about opinions and mm-hmm. what you believe and. Yeah, those things.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I mean, some of the emphasis today on on being respectful for other people's uh, perspectives is is a is a needed reminder of of things that are true. I mean, and then the Bible teaches those things as well. You know that we're, um, you know, Paul tells Timothy to, you know, try to correct people with gentleness and with respect. I mean, that's um, those are important things. But um, it has gone. To a large degree, too far the other way, where everybody's viewpoint is equally valid, um, and it's not just that I should respect, you know, different people in their different perspectives, but that I should basically affirm that what they're saying is true, even if it's contradictory to what somebody else says or what you know what you know to be true. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really good to have just a solid understanding of like there is objective truth. There is there is Right and wrong, there is good and evil, and you have to be able to distinguish those things and come to a firm conclusion on those things. So, yeah, definitely. Now, some will argue that if we need to learn how to study the Bible, then basically anybody could follow the same guidelines for the interpretation uh, for interpretation and come to the same conclusions. And then, why then would the Holy Spirit be needed for us to correctly interpret the Bible? Doesn't that just remove the Spirit from the whole process. If it's if it's all this studying and proper use of rules for interpretation, um, you know doesn't, doesn't that just make the, you know, just take the Holy Spirit out of the whole equation? Um, and from this perspective they would say the meaning of the Bible must be beyond the scope of what can be learned through principles such as grammar and genre. Um and, and that can sound very pious. You know, it's like, oh well yeah, the Bible is just it's beyond what you can understand with with the principles of of uh of grammar and genre. Um and it sounds like it's maintaining a very high view of scripture. Uh but I would argue that it's too low a view of scripture. Um you know, we've we talked about this past I think it was last week, 1 Corinthians 2.14, and we were kind of in this section earlier today. Um where it says, uh, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so here we clearly see that there's a distinction between those who don't have the Spirit and are not able to understand the things of the Spirit of God, and those who do have the Spirit and are able to understand. Um, And even though the Scriptures are not... um, explicitly referred to, I mean, I think everybody can agree that when it talks about the the things of the Spirit of God, that that's it includes the, the, you know, what we find in the Scriptures. Um, So I'm gonna argue that we can understand this verse in one of two ways. Um, Either there is something about the Scriptures that makes them unintelligible to the natural man, or there's something about the natural man that makes the scriptures unintelligible to him. Does that make it, does that, does it I know that's that's a lot of words there. Does that are you clear on what I'm saying there? That when we when we look at this passage, 1 Corinthians 2 14, we can either say that there's something about the scriptures that in themselves they are just unintelligible to the natural man, or that there's something about the natural man that makes the scriptures unintelligible to him. Is that distinction clear? Is everybody following that? Okay. So the first option implies that the Bible doesn't really contain the spiritual truths that we need to know. At best, they're present in a hidden way, almost as if they're encrypted or in a a code. Um, The Holy Spirit then comes along and provides a way for us to decipher the code. Uh, or perhaps these truths are not contained in the Bible at all. Perhaps the spirit communicates these things to us directly but chooses to do so while we're reading the Bible. I mean, those are kind of the approaches you might take where where you know there's something about the Bible where it's just like it can't really be understood and you need the holy spirit to come and just give you that information that isn't really there in the Bible. The second option is the sp- perspective that these spiritual truths are actually in the scriptures and that nothing is needed to grasp them other than a proper understanding of how to interpret the text in this view the problem of failing to understand the scripture rests on the person reading them not on the scriptures our laziness our bias our desire for that which is sinful our fear of our fellow man our rebellion and a host of other failings cause us to misunderstand what we read. Sometimes it's accidental, sometimes it's willful. But in the end the problem lies with us and not with the Bible.
3: Yeah, I think another part which maybe was included what you said is the fact our finitude. The fact that I'm sorry. our finitude. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're there's spiritual truths there, but they're about an
0: infinite God and we're finite people. So that we just can't grasp Right, yeah. in that way. Yeah, that is, that is a, a good point as well, that, um, yeah, we, we're, we're, we don't have infinite knowledge and wisdom, um, and so, like, there's there's things that the Bible teaches that are just beyond our ability to fully grasp. We can only kind of get the fringes of them. Um, but I, I think um, that a proper understanding is to realize that there's nothing in a sense, lacking in the scripture, as if it's some kind of coded book or something that contains hints of spiritual truths, but you know, it just kind of prompts the Holy Spirit to then come in and actually feed the spiritual truths to us. I think these spiritual truths are there, contained in the scripture, uh, and that the problem lies with us. And that's why the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to understand the Bible, not because of a lack of truth in the Bible, but because of our distorting what the Bible teaches. Sometimes accidentally, sometimes intentionally. Um, But that, really, it's like the Bible is there. It contains it all. Um, I mean, not all knowledge, but everything that God intended for for us to have in Scripture. Um, And that it's our failings um, that make it where we have difficulty understanding the Scripture. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit, then we're never going to overcome that. We're always going to misinterpret what the text actually says. And I'm sure that many of you have seen that when you talk to unbelievers, where what the Bible says can be just as plain as can be, and they just they just completely reject it. Um, but the uh, but even for the Christians, like even with our remaining corruption, um, we're still going to be misinterpreting the Bible in many ways. And the Holy Spirit has to come in and prompt us to, to, you know, to to shun our sinful desires, to to overcome that laziness, to actually work to to try to understand it properly, and just make our minds work uh, more like they were designed to work, rather than as they are in the fall. Uh, ben, are you? Yeah,
3: um, I, I, I think a, a helpful point to put on with this, with this too. Is that the Spirit can work through common grace also to give even unbelievers mm-hmm. something of an understanding of mm-hmm. the Scripture? I think that's important to remember too, because sometimes there are there are people in the church mm-hmm. who aren't actually saved, and they can say some really great things and sure. understand some really great portions of Scripture. Sure. And that's the Spirit working in them to a certain extent through common grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, just as so long as we hold on to that a little bit. Don't say that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah.
0: No. Them. That's 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 a that's a, a a good thing to add to the discussion. Of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That um, that people who don't have the spirit still do interpret some of the Bible correctly. Um, and uh, yeah, that is common grace um, because uh, you know man is made in the image of God, uh, a rational being who thinks um, and is able to interpret things um and it's i mean it's darkened by sin but it's not completely erased by sin um and God in his common grace preserves man at a level where even without having the holy spirit is still able to properly interpret things in the bible so that's a that's a good observation so. um just to just to back this up a little bit just rather than just like my assertion of like i think this is the right way to view it um Let's look at John chapter eight. This isn't specifically with the scriptures, but it is with the word of God in a a more direct sense, I guess. Uh, John chapter eight, beginning in verse 42, uh, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Um, So, when we consider that passage, it's like, why did the people that Jesus was speaking to not understand uh, what he said? Was it because he was speaking in code? I mean, sometimes Jesus did speak in a way that was difficult to understand, but. Uh, very frequently he would say things very plainly and they just refused to accept what he was saying Um, and Jesus' explanation is you can't hear my word you you are um, you're not of God you're uh, doing the will of your father the devil Um, and that whoever is God whoever is of God uh, they're going to hear my words they're going to understand um, and I think, I mean, that's really just kind of a an illustration of, of the point that I was trying to make, and that the proper way to understand it is that the words are um, understandable if you just approach them properly, um, but that it's it's really sin that's going to distort things. Um, I and mean, the fact is, these people, they just didn't want to believe what Jesus was telling them. Um, I mean, it's, I know... I'm sure many of you have experienced this as you read through the gospel. Sometimes it's really frustrating to see that, like Jesus teaching things plainly, and they're just like, "Nope, just not going to believe it." Um, I mean, uh, they were so set against believing Jesus that even after he raised Lazarus from the dead, they wanted to kill both Jesus and Lazarus. Uh, John chapter twelve, beginning in verse nine, he says, "When." uh it says when the the large crowd of the jews learned that jesus was there they came not only on account of him but also to see lazarus whom he had raised from the dead so the chief priests made made plans to put lazarus to death as well because on account of him many of the jews were going away and believing in jesus so they're they're so determined to reject that jesus is who he claimed to be that even he raises somebody from the dead and it's like, yeah, hey, we need to kill that guy too, because he's he's, you know, a witness to the power of Jesus. Um, and so they they're just that determined to reject um, the teaching of Jesus.
2: I think that's that's kind of tagging on to the thought process of what Ben was talking about. I think it's really important also to note it's not that there's a mental they can't understand they can't even get an idea of it it's really they understand there's a choice to reject God or an inability to accept the truth it's really it's it's one of those difficult pieces because it becomes metaphysical right mm-hmm. what's truly mental processes that we can't even understand it's a concept that we don't even get mm-hmm. versus our spiritual inability to respond to it right really what the Bible is telling us over and over is their hearts are hardened and therefore without spiritual faith, they'd ask no spiritual ears to hear. Mm-hmm. They heard the words. They understood that Jesus was Christ. Mm-hmm. They rejected it because they could not have that faith right. to act on it. Yeah. And therefore they did what their hearts will do as as dead hearts. They mm-hmm. they lived in their sin and they rejected truth. Right. I think that's it's it's one of those things I always have a hard time. We think so physiologically about our bodies and our mental processes and we have such a hard time with understanding and dividing physical and spiritual mm-hmm. but that's really where God uses physical words all the time to communicate the spiritual nature that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's, I think it's always important to, to note there is many times where we use words like they can't understand, they, it's not intelligible it is in a way. It is. It's, right. it's a spiritual versus physical piece, mm-hmm. where it's not that they don't have physical ears to hear. Not right. that they don't have a mind that to comprehend, but right. their spiritual nature. Right. is What we're really talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It really is their their will is getting in the way of their acceptance of the truth. So yeah. Um, that's exactly right. Um, well, the fact is that. A natural man will always reject the truths of Scripture. Uh, They are foolishness to him. His understanding is muddled, and he either scoffs at or distorts the true meaning of Scripture. Um, And only by the work of the Spirit can someone truly handle God's Word rightly. Um, If, however, there is... if there really is something about Scripture that makes them unintelligible from outside of the work of the Spirit uh, to unlock the code, uh, how could we ever know if we are interpreting the Bible correctly? Uh, how could we uh, know if someone else is interpreting the Bible correctly? Uh, one time I was speaking to some people from the World Missionary Society. Um, and they used the Bible, and I used the Bible, but from their perspective... The Bible is a sealed book. They'll actually use that language. And you can't understand it unless you submit to the teaching of their leader. You know, they'll even go to the passage of in Revelation where it talks about the, the scrolls with the seals on them. And they'll say, that's, that's the Bible. And you just can't understand that unless you submit to the teachings of their leader. Then you'll be able to understand it. So naturally, uh, when they make poor arguments and misrepresented scripture, uh, my counter arguments were simply dismissed. Uh, Because from their perspective, I don't have access to the true meaning of the Bible. They could basically just brush off everything I said, because it was like, I'm not submitting to their leader, so I can't understand the Bible. Um, And I, I imagine that anything they would look at of the Bible where it didn't look like it was saying what their teacher was saying, they simply just had to say, well, that's what my teacher says that it means, so I have to follow that. Um, So what I'm getting at is that um, we can only test ourselves and others if the Bible presents objective truths that are accessible to anyone. Um, If we can apply rules of interpretation to a text and come to a correct interpretation, regardless of who we are, then we have an objective standard to test both ourselves and others. Um, If, on the other hand, the meaning must be unlocked by the Holy Spirit, um, everyone will claim the Spirit's authority for all the contradictory meanings that people come up with. Uh, With an objective standard, disagreements over interpretations can be worked out by a rigorous application of the principles of interpretation. And that is when bias and other failings are brought into the light. And we may still cling to our incorrect interpretations at that point but we will find it hard to convince ourselves that we are submitting to God's word I and mean, that's that's the I think that's the way it has to work for us as Christians to even have debates amongst ourselves I mean certainly like when we're debating non-Christians but even debate debates amongst ourselves we have to have a a perspective that it's all there in the Bible Um, and that the Holy Spirit's working in all of us, you know, we, you know, good Christian charity. Um, and that like, in the end, if we have a disagreement, it's because somebody is, you know, some level of sin is preventing them from seeing the truth, but we just keep working at it with good Christian charity to try to come to an agreement. Um, but we have to have, um, that, you know, basically that, the it's that objective truth is there in scripture. Um, so is there, uh, is there room for the, the Holy Spirit in careful, diligent study of Scripture? Absolutely. Uh, even as Christians, are remaining sin will, will hamper our study and blind us to many of the truths that God has so graciously provided for the support of the church. Uh, we should pray earnestly that the Spirit would open our eyes and our minds and restrain our sin so that we can... Um, so that we can truly understand um, what God's Word says. We also need to remember uh, that the Holy Spirit doesn't just teach you as an individual, but he's taught others as well. Uh, Sometimes people will denigrate the study of what other people have said about the Bible, relying exclusively on their own interpretation. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon uh, saw through this error, uh, he said, it seems odd that certain men who talk so much about what the Holy Spirit reveals to themselves should think so little of what he has revealed to others. Uh, so he he caught these people in a serious inconsistency. They denigrate the teaching of others as if they were simply human wisdom, uh, while characterizing their teaching as guided by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but Spurgeon is quite right to point out that Christian teachers of the past were also guided by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I should therefore give as much attention to what others have written about the Bible as I do my own thoughts as I study the Bible. And Spurgeon goes on to say, the, temptation of, uh, the temptations of our times lie rather in empty pretensions to novelty of sentiment than in a slavish following of, a, of accepted guides. A respectable acquaintance with the opinions of the giants of the past might have saved many an erratic thinker from wild interpretations and outrageous inferences. So, I mean, sure, there is a a danger of uh, simply following uh, slavishly what Calvin said or something like that. Um, People can do that. Um, But from Spurgeon's perspective, in his day, he saw that the problem was the other side of it. I'm just going to ignore what you know, what Calvin said or what Matthew Henry said or whatever. And I'm just going to go with whatever I think when I read the Bible. Um, and the fact is, we should consider that those are teachers who God has, by his Holy Spirit, enabled to understand the things of God. Um, and so we should uh, be very willing to, to go look and see what they have to say. Um, the The reality is the the Holy Spirit. One of His great works that He does is that He teaches the church. Um, he is a teacher. He is in a, in all of us. Um, we all have that anointing, um, and we don't uh, we don't need to depend on I guess to rephrase what John said. We don't need to depend on another teacher to just tell us what the Holy Scripture or what the, what the what the Holy Scriptures say, but. Um, we need to study it for ourselves and take into consideration what other Christians say. Uh, But trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us, is going to guide us into all truth. Any final questions or comments about any of that? Yes? What's that? uh, I was just gonna say, with
3: this, with the Holy Spirit, I'm seeing kind of a pattern here with what you've been teaching so far, where it, it really is coming in where we are unable. Mm-hmm. We're unable to uh, follow Christ, to reach out to him in faith. We're unable to understand the scriptures. And I'm sure it'll come up again as you go on through the class. And he's working in us where we're unable. And he's pointing us back to God, back mm-hmm. to Christ. Um, and that's really, overall, what the work of the Holy Spirit seems to be just on.
0: Right. Now? yeah yeah, the, the Holy Spirit um, it points us to Christ so um, that is his work um, is to point us to Christ so that's a that's a good point mm-hmm. all right let's uh, let's close on prayer heavenly father Lord we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit we thank you for uh, just the the overcoming of our own uh, shortcomings uh, by his mighty power and uh, god I just pray that you would uh, just continue to be with us, that uh, that the Holy Spirit would uh, fill us with uh, love and, and uh, a, a sense of uh, gratitude and, and awe of you as we continue in our worship. And uh, God, that the Holy Spirit would just continue to work to sanctify us, to conform us to the image of Christ. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.